if you have a Bible and you want to follow me, I'm going to be walking out of um, the book of, no, the book of Luke. I'm always mixed them. I'm always say the book of Luke. And um, I, know I never went for that occasion when I was a kid. Um, so the book of Luke. And in the 15th chapter, I think we get one of the greatest love stories that has ever been. And, um, and Jesus, just to give you a little bit of the, kind of where he's at, he's been, he's been hanging around with, with all the wrong people. He doesn't hang around with all the religious people, although he does spend time with them as well. But he, he tends to hang around with all the wrong sorts of people. The gangsters, the drunks, the prostitutes, everybody that he shouldn't be with because he's supposed to be a holy person. And, and he's in this place, and um, he starts talking about what God's heart is towards people. And he does it by telling parables, which are like stories. Um, and stories are really powerful, because a lot of times they, they connect to us better than someone just giving you a lot of theology and doctrine and big fancy words and all that kind of stuff. And I love Jesus' stories, and the stories make sense to me. Because they're about ordinary people. Except when he was telling these stories, he was talking mostly to a bunch of farmers. So there's a lot of stuff about vines and sowing and reaping. And there's one of these about sheep. And I'm thinking, we don't have sheep. Like lamb chops is the nearest thing I've ever got to a sheep. Unless I'm driving through the country and I look at them. Or you get stuck in a traffic jam up in the, uh, up in the mountains with a herd of sheep on it. But, um, but I want to, he gives three parables and I just want to follow through with them if you'll stay with me for a minute. I'm going to read from Luke 15. If you have a Bible, if you haven't, if you have a, fan, a fancy smartphone, you can look it up on your phone. Go to Google, put anything called Guy, or even just put in Luke 15, and it'll come up on your phone, the whole thing. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. So I, I just want to stick with that for a minute. If you know the Lord, and you know where you're going, and you have your relationship with him solid, don't ever be put off by other religious people telling you you shouldn't be hanging around with sinners. Now, sinners is an awful word because it thinks it's a judgment. And we think that we're judging people, saying, oh, they're sinners. I'm not saying anybody. I'm not judging anybody. But there's a reality between people who know Jesus Christ and know where they're going when they die and people who don't. And that's the way the world is. And if we're, we're either in one camp or the other, there is now one foot in one and one foot in the other because it doesn't work. You fall off the fence. But here's the thing. Jesus was never afraid to hang around with the wrong people. And if, we don't, if we're afraid to hang around with the wrong people, how are we ever going to tell the wrong people that we got the cure for life? If I got the cure for whatever was wrong with Trisha's eyes and I held on to it, and didn't go and tell her, hey, look, it, just do this, and it, it'll be fixed. People would go, what kind of a miserable Egypt is he that he wouldn't share that? But I wouldn't go around telling somebody who was healthy, who hasn't got any problem about that, because it's not interesting to them. But if you want to be used by God, which is what he wants to do with all of us, and all he wants us to do is carry that message and go tell other people who haven't heard it yet, that there's a God in heaven who loves them, who has a plan for them, and who cares about them. He's not mad at them, he's mad about them. And that's what Jesus was doing. And the people who were pissed off at him were the religious ones. And I've had this conversation even this week with somebody. And it's like, and people go, you don't care enough about the church. And go, if people are in the church and they know Jesus, they're going to heaven. 
There's thousands of people out there who aren't. Thousands. They're the ones I'm worried about. And they're the ones God's worried about. Because as we go through this, it says, there's more celebration of a one person who turns to God than there is about 99 who didn't need to turn to God. So that's a whole thing going on there about where's our heart supposed to be at? Church is supposed to feed us, get us ready. My job is to equip you to go and do the works. To send you out, not to keep you in. So that all day, every day, you're interacting with other people and you're sharing with them what God's doing for you. It's not to make you cozy and happy and let's have a happy, clappy club here every Sunday. This is only supposed to be like to give you a bit of energy to go and do the works that we're called to do. That had nothing to do with me saying, so it must be the Lord. Anyway, let me read. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep. Now, I know you all have sheep in the back garden, so you have to go with me with this one, right? And loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the religious people. But here's the thing. How many times do we become religious? It's awful easy. It really is. It's awful easy to, to, to get into that place where I'm living in a glass house where I'm throwing lots of stones. Because I have one bit of my life started out and I think I'm okay to tell everyone else to start that bit of their life out. I've never lost a sheep in my life. Don't know if you have. But I've lost a dog. I remember having a dog that ran away on us. Anne's got a sad face on because she still remembers the dog. It was our baby before we had kids. Lady was her name. Black dog, beautiful. Staying in Anne's maz. Thunderstorm came, dog disappeared. I don't know if she got puffed up in a, in a, in a lightning bolt or she just ran away. But she got over the fence and got away. We searched for her for I don't know how long. For years later, we drove down the road, saw a black dog and went, is that her? Is that her? We had tons of other stuff in our life. Tons. We had people. We had a baby a couple of years later. We still saw a black dog and went, is that lady? If you lose something, there's something in you that wants to find it. If you've never had it, you'll walk by tempens on the street. And nowadays, you mightn't even fall, bend over and pick it up because you just go, it's only tempens, it's not worth it. But I'm telling you, if you drop tempens in Superquin, you'll go under the fridges to get it back. You'll risk life or limb to get it back out because it's yours. You don't want to lose something. That's the way God feels about you. He doesn't want to lose you. He doesn't want to lose me. And that's just a sheep. Then we have the story of the woman with the coin. It says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then when she finds it, she calls her neighbors and her friends together, and she says, rejoice, I found my coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of a one sinner who repents. Do you ever lose money? It's a pain, isn't it? It's a nightmare. We were all on holidays a few years ago. I know we always tell the same story. We had a thousand dollars stashed somewhere in the house. 
and really good at hiding money. <laughs> we couldn't find this $1,000 anywhere. We had other people came to the house and searched for it for us because we thought, we have this thing there, we just can't see it. We wrecked everywhere it was supposed to be. Ended up anyway, got more money, changed it, we went away, came back, lo and behold, what turns up? The $1,000, right? In a photograph somewhere, which is where you keep $1,000, obviously. <laughs> there was sense in it. When we looked back at it, we went, why didn't we think about that? Because that made, it was in a Disney photograph, which was America, which is a link, so you should... If you're ever robbing our house, the, the dollars are in the Disney photos, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Scrub that off the podcast. Okay, yeah, but anyway. Um, but, but here's the thing. Even though we'd had the holiday and all the rest and we'd come back, we still had a little party because we found the $1,000. Yeah? We still kind of went, woo, okay, so maybe we can go again. So, so here's the thing. You lose something, you get it back, you want it. God had a perfect creation. He created a perfect creation. He created a perfect man and a woman in that creation. And he lost them. He didn't lose them. He lost the relationship he had with them. Because they made choices that broke that relationship. And he went in search of them. And Jesus came. And Jesus lit the lamp. And he became the lamp. And he became the light. And he became the way. So that now they can go to heaven. Us a day. We can go to heaven. We can have a relationship with God. We can have a relationship with Jesus. And God and the angels are having a party. I find it hard to accept. I'm Irish, so I find it hard to accept compliments. I live in the whole got it in pennies thing. No one ever says to me, your hair looks great, because I haven't got any but. <laughs> when they did, I went, no, I need to wash. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the whole stuff going on, right? So... Lovely jacket, got it in pennies. Or the truth, and got it in pennies, not even me. She shops one. But here's the thing. I find it hard just to accept that. I find it extremely hard to think that God would think I'm important enough to have a party over. But he does. And he thinks you're important enough to have a party over. And the day that you decided to give Jesus your heart, and if you haven't decided that, the day you will decide to give Jesus your heart, he will have a party in heaven. And there'll be the biggest party poppers there ever was. And there'll be lightning bolts and whatever else. Because he can do really good fireworks better than we can. But the reality of it is there is a party because one of us steps back into that place. And instead of being lost, gets found. Just like that coin. Just like that woman having a party over a coin. Just like the farmer having a party. If we had have ever found that dog... If she was crippled, we still would have had a party because we found the dog. Then we probably would have gone mad because we'd have to mind it. But that's beside the point. But we would have had a party because we found the dog that was missing. And then he moves on and he tells a story called the parable of the prodigal son. In my translation, it says the lost son. And I think most of us have heard of this story of the prodigal son. Should we call people the prodigals, don't we? Even if, if you were never religious in your life, you know the prodigal bit. It's like knowing about the patience of Job. I didn't even know who Job was, but I knew we had patience. Yeah? So let me read this to you. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll, in a couple of minutes, we'll try and do what we can. Right? Jesus went on. After telling them two stories, he still talked to the same people. 
And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, <coughs> Sorry, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll go back to me dad and I'll say to him, sorry, he doesn't say me dad on that point, just anyway. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, put the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it, because we're going to have a feast tonight and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and he's found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son (coughs) was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and he asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. It's about three hours he could talk about that. And I have seven minutes. So there's a few points I want to get out in there. Um, one, when that young guy said to his dad, split your, split your estate now and give me my inheritance, what he was basically was saying was, I wish you were dead because I want the money. That's literally what he was saying to him. In that culture... I wish you were dead because I really just want to spend your money. I want to ask you, for those of you who are old enough like me to have kids who are grown up, what would it feel like for one of them to turn around and say that to you? I wish you were dead because I want to sell your house so I can have the money. Yeah? That's kind of what we were like with God. We don't care about you. We just want what we want. I want to live the life I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go. I want to be what I want to be. And I don't really care what you think about it. Because he is our father. And basically that's the life we live when we don't live in relationship with him. And the kid goes off like any kid. Happy days, loads of money. Have a party. That's what I'd do if I was 20. Go and have a party. But you know yourself, the friends run out when the money runs out. Here's your carry on. And he ends up broke, and he ends up living with pigs. Even that, in the culture, was horrendous because they hated pigs. And he's wishing he could eat the food that the pigs had. 
He's down and dirty to probably the lowest he can get. And then, and I love that phrase, he comes to his senses. <laughs> it's like, bing, the light goes on. Why has it taken this long for the bell to go off? For you to go. Do you know what? There's fellas walking for me that are sweeping the streets who have more money and more food than I have here. So I'm going to go back and ask for a job. I'm not good enough to be the son, so I'll just go back and I'll ask for a job. And I'll be one of the hired hands. How many times... No, okay, let me rephrase that. I have met so many people who said, yeah, I'll get right with God. I just need to do this, 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 and this to get myself in a place, and then I'll go to church. Or then I'll come do that. Or then I'll come do that. I'll be the hired hand. And then he goes walking home. And from a long way away, is that season. Stan must have been looking out for him if he's seen him. Or he must have been looking out for something. And he ran out and he brought servants with him when he ran out because he said to them, get, get a robe and get a ring and get sandals and restore him because a robe, a ring and sandals were signs of sonship. They weren't signs of servanthood. They weren't signs of being a hired worker. They were signs of being a son. Being an heir. And I'm really skipping through this, but then you have the cranky big brother who's got his nose out of joint because he was the good guy who kept doing everything all along. But now we have this cheeky snot of a little brother coming back and he gets a party. And he's basically been a brat who doesn't deserve a party. And he doesn't deserve a party. In our system of justice, that young fella doesn't deserve a party. He wished his dad was dead, took his money and went and spent it. But in God's grace, he deserves a party. Do you know what's phenomenal? And I only really got it when I was looking at this this time. The father went out to both of them. The father went to the, to the son who had run away and done all the mad stuff on his way back. The father went to him. The brother wouldn't come into the house, the big brother. The father went to him. You know the difference between having a relationship with God through Jesus and having religion? Every religion I know of is trying to find a way for us to get to God. And Jesus came. The Father came to us so that we could have a relationship with him. He went out of his way looking for us. It says in Scripture that while we were yet sinners, God loved us. Where we were yet people who were going, ah, screw you, God, I'm not interested. He still loved us enough that Jesus came. Now, you might know Jesus years, and you might be walking with him, or you might not be walking with him. You might not know in the way we're talking about, you think, ah, oh, you might be religious, you might not be religious. It doesn't really matter. What I really believe God wants you to know today is he's looking for you. He's looking to connect with you. He's looking to have you as part of his family. He's looking to put a robe on you, to put a ring on you, to put sandals on your feet. You have boots, sandals will be a bit chilly, I know. But he wants all of them signs where you are part of the family. This is my son. This is, he is part, he's an heir. We're heirs with Christ. Of all that God has for us. 
Everything. And the father threw a party. He got the fat calf and he killed it. So that's like going to Tesco's and buying a whole heap of fillet steaks. And none of your cheap ones even in Littles. This was the real deal. Super Queen best, wherever. Super Queen's gone. Super value, wherever. The best butchers, we're going to get the best stuff and we're going to have the best party. We're not having sparkling white wine, we're having real champagne. We're not having party poppers, we're having fireworks. When you accept that invitation to that party from God, other people around you won't be happy. Don't be surprised that some people around you won't be happy. And that invitation is not just for somebody who doesn't know God. That invitation is for somebody who knows God, who God's saying, there's more. There's a bigger party waiting for you. You've put your foot in the, in, in the, in the pool, but there's a much deeper place for you to go to. But there's wild living or whatever that you need to leave behind you. There's a, a moment of coming to your senses that we need to come to where you kind of go, actually, this isn't working. On the outside, it might look all right, but on the inside, I'm dying. On the outside, it might look great even, but on the inside, I don't have peace when I lie down. I don't have this. Something else is bugging me. We're in a place and time in the world that we live in where peace is, is gone for most people. Anxiety and stress are what rule today. And that's not what God came to give us. That's not what was part of that perfect relationship that started off with God and the humankind that he made. There was no anxiety and there was no stress and there was no depression and there was none of that stuff. That's all stuff that has come from us breaking relationship with him. Over and over again, it says in Scripture, he came to bring peace. He came to give us peace. Don't be anxious about something. Give it to God. Don't be down. Don't be stressed. Don't be all of these things. Get your relationship with him in the right place. You'll still have lousy things happen. But it'll be from a to- you'll be in a totally different place when it happens. You will be in a place where you will be able to deal with it. And it does it more justice than, than I can possibly do. Um, I want to ask you just for a minute to close your eyes. If you're not used to here, we won't pick your pockets or rob your bags. That's not what we want you to close your eyes. But just take a minute and let that message sink into your heart. There is a God in heaven who is watching out for you. And if you're in this place and you've never made a connection with God, you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never invited him into your life, you've never been in that place where you know there's something missing. And God is the peace that's missing. Well, today may be the day you can do that if you want. 
And we'd love to pray with you, and we'd love to stand with you, and we'd love to invite you into that place where you can make that commitment and you can give your heart to Jesus. And if that's you, real quick, just put your hand on the air for a second and put it back down again. And then we'll move on. Okay. Thanks. And for the rest of us in the room, if you're in a place where Jesus is calling you into a deeper place, He's calling you back into a deeper relationship with Him, or He's calling you forward into moving into something new. Either way, this message is about a celebration in heaven when we accept and move forward with God. And if that's you, for a second, just your hand off. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Um, when we finish, when I finish here and we dismiss, um, John and Mary will be up the front here to prayer. They, they formed a prayer team. And if you need prayer for something individual or you need prayer for something that's going on or you want to follow up on what's happened this morning and you'd like to pray and have prayer for it, then, then please come up. There'll be still tea and coffee afterwards. Please don't leave the place without having someone stand with you or sit with you and pray. But in the meantime, let me pray now. Father, I thank you that, that you have a very specific word for each and every one of us. And that this morning is no mistake, it's no accident, it's no coincidence. The people who are in this room are the people who needed to hear what you had to say. And I pray that whatever I said, if it was of you, that it is 100% in our hearts and stays there. And if it was just of me, that it's forgotten about as they walk out the door that it's just left behind. And Lord, I pray that, that for those who are in that place where they're not even sure where they're at with you, that you would just open their eyes to see a loving Father who was just waiting, just waiting on us to put our arms up to you so that you can just hug us and embrace us and throw the greatest party we'll have ever seen. And Father, for those who are in a place of maybe uncertainty with you or not sure what the next step is or or have a sense that you're pulling at them, Lord, and that, that you want them to go somewhere, do something, stop doing something, whatever it may be, to go deeper with you. Lord, I pray right now that you would strengthen, encourage, give us what we need of your Holy Spirit so that we would be able to go and do that. And Father, as we leave this place, I pray peace over this congregation. I pray that your shalom would go with every single person. You would cover them with your peace, that you would give them, in the midst of all kinds of mad circumstances, you would give them peace. That you would fill their hearts and their minds with you. I pray that as each day goes this week, they would know the blessing of Almighty God on their life. They would know the fellowship of your Holy Spirit and they would know the grace that has come through the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. So that I bless your people and bless them in your name. 
Amen. Have a great week.